Hi, welcome to Connecting the Dots, the podcast where we share our stories from the battlefield of consulting. I'm your host, Johnny Hill. Hey, I'm Kareem Jamal. I'm Phil Gambling. I'm Oscar Hernandez. Today we're talking about estimation, and I estimate it'll take about 30 minutes. But if you're listening to this now, you probably see it's way longer than that. So let's jump in. So kicking it off, I think we should probably start by talking about why estimation is important. Like what's the whole point of it? Yeah, so there's, there's many points. The, the common example is you're, so we as consultants need to price out a potential new project and we've got to base that on something. So you have to estimate a project up front so we can bid on that. Um, you know, maybe you're going into sprint, sprint planning. How much time do you think this new feature is going to take? You know, will it fit into the sprint? You know, give me a ballpark on how many hours. Maybe it'll take more than one person, that kind of thing, or it can be broken up. So estimation is helping us answer those questions. I think it also helps um, set a contract between the developer and the project owner. Mm -hmm. And it is a gauge, right? You need some sort of uh, thing to base uh, on this, to set expectations correctly. Like you're estimating all the time, right? Uh, if you're planning dinner with your family, like, hey, I'll be home around, you know, six-ish. Uh, that's an estimation because you're assuming that you'll be done with work and traffic will be so-and-so, uh, right? And so just to get people synced and aligned on things, you have to have something to go off of. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, obviously in this context, we're talking about estimation from like the software development perspective. But yeah, I, I like what you mentioned, Kareem. We're, everyone is estimating at some point or another all, all the time, whether it's how long it takes to get home, how long it'll take me to finish this project I'm working on at home, uh, whatever it may be. And, and obviously it goes into other industries as well. So my hope is that as we're talking through this, it's, it's helpful for people in our industry, but also like picking up some helpful tips for if you work in other industries or just for you know, everyday home life, things that come up that you have to kind of estimate the, the effort for. I know one thing that it's easy for me to get stuck in when I'm asked to estimate something or estimate the effort to, to put something together. It's easy for me to think it's all about me. Like, oh, I just need to like figure it out and forget that, oh, well, this is to benefit other people. And this is like one piece of the estimate that other people are also working on. Yeah. One thing that I know as developers, we get very hung up on, I'm estimating really just like hands-on keyboard, putting down code time. But you also, and this kind of comes with experience, got to think more about all the overhead, all the meetings, all the oh, discussions, yeah. all the just like reading code, figuring stuff out that go into getting that thing done. Not just, okay, I'll estimate what it takes someone who's familiar with this concept to work on. No, like maybe you, you know, you're going to hand this to someone who's going to have to spend a little bit of time ramping up on the subject too. And that's got to be included. You got to expect the unexpected and estimate the right. unexpected and the unknowns, and the, known, uh, the unknown unknowns. Yeah. Like having, having margin for that. Yeah. And also keeping in mind that even if you were in this vacuum where, you know, there wasn't this overhead, which is not likely, but if, even if you were the whole time you're sitting, you know, hands-on keyboard programming or whatever, um, working, you're not going to be fully productive that full time, right? It's also factoring that in. You yourself have downtime as well. You have ups and downs as you try to work through the code or the designs or whatever it may be. 
Yeah, yeah every everyone feels the uh, the after lunch slump. I think where your mm-hmm. pro- productivity goes down just a little bit. Yeah, I feel it after all three of my lunches. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of where the margins you just you're talking about, Johnny, are alluding to that. You know, so we gather up estimates, and then ideally someone will take that and apply some kind of factor or margin or padding, whatever you want to call it, to ca- try to also capture some of those things. So that might be one technique is you're, okay, I know in my devs are really thinking about actual time to work on it, but I know no one actually works like a 100% productive eight-hour day. So let's factor that in, you know, whatever your factor of productivity is. And then um, on top of that, other things that maybe you do put in, okay, we'll put in 25% for just overhead and it will just be a general rule mm-hmm. rather than try to put it into every feature, kind of take the sum, the project sum and then apply those margins uh, later to help deal with that. Yeah, and it's really helpful for like piecing work together too because a lot of times, uh, no matter what you estimate, it still won't change the release date, um, particularly like consider other tasks and if they can fit in in, uh, in certain places, uh, especially if, if certain things come up that are higher priority that really need to be done before other other tasks. Yeah, yeah, like the estimation affects the scope of the project. You're not estimating and saying, how quickly can I get this done? Like, oh, here's everything we need to do and it needs to be done in a month. Okay, I'll just like optimistically try to cram it all. Like, I think honest estimation helps the project team to realize what is and isn't doable in the time period you have. And like you're saying, Oscar, to figure out, oh, well, there's more room than we thought. Okay, what else can we put in? Or, oh, wait, there's no way we can do this. Okay, we need to strip some things back. And like, that's okay. That's part of the process. Right. It's all about setting expectations. And I, I think it's um, another thing that I, I see with estimations is what, it, what an estimate is not. It's not a fact. It's not set in stone. You know, it is our best guess. Hopefully it's an educated guess. But it's by no means, and a lot of people misunderstand this. They hear, oh, he said it's going to take two weeks. Well, he'll be done exactly two weeks. Like, no, it was, <laughs> it's not that. It's just a way to gauge the scope of things, the level of effort, and then uh, try to set realistic expectations. And it, it helps with just giving the client some options, right? So they come at you with a problem. Uh, if you don't have the estimates broken down correctly, then they don't have anything to go off of. It's either all or nothing. But with the estimates, then they have some power to say, okay, I have this much budget or I have this tight timeline. What can we fit in? And then that's, that's when you can go back and forth and uh, you know, figure out what works, what brings the most value in the amount of budget or time uh, for this project. Yeah, it's the iron triangle, right? Features, time, budget, and you can pick two. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and, and another thing from estimates is as you get into it and you walk through it, you'll identify dependencies and blockers, which then sort of help highlight uh, what things you will be dependent on. And it's good to identify those early on. So the people that you, know, you are depending on know that they have to have stuff ready for you by the time you get to that point. So it just helps highlight those, uh, those pieces as well. That's a really good point. I have always felt that um, I get to know a ticket a lot better or some sort of task a lot better once I start doing the estimation. Mm-hmm. It brings you a lot closer to what's required. Yeah, and in some ways, the estimation is part of the like, problem-solving process. Like You're better understanding the problem 
and what it'll take to solve it, what questions you need to ask. Whereas if you don't do the estimate and you kind of go into a blind, you, you might realize partway through like, oh, this is way bigger than I thought. So even just thinking about like estimation mm -hmm. is another tool in the project management tool belt. Like it's, it's a tool intended to help the project go more smoothly and to help the, the managers and, and the team figure out how to, how to best uh, maneuver things to, to make that happen. Yeah, project that I was on recently, they, they had kind of an interesting approach uh, that I liked to that, to that problem of new feature comes into the backlog, but no one really knows what it's going to take to work, uh, like how, how much effort it's going to take. So like they'll carve out a spike ticket, basically just a time box of like, okay, spend a day or two just for the capturing the work of that estimation of that research knowledge gathering to then inform the actual thing rather than just throw it in there and hope for the best, like actually calling that out as an activity as happened separately is a, it's a, it's useful. Like I'd say for a sprint planning case, cause I've seen a lot of planning get off the rails or, or just blocked by, well, you know, okay, dev, can you just put a time on this? You know, <laughs> and like and in front of the whole team, in a one hour meeting or whatever, that doesn't has to happen. No, that was like, okay. And instead of that, hey, how about we just schedule you as a couple of days yeah. doing that research? And that kind of takes the pressure off. It, uh, that makes me think it's, it's kind of similar to user testing in a lot of ways. Like you're validating how, like in user testing, you're validating if the idea you have is the right one. And in estimation, mm -hmm. you're validating if your assumptions of how long like how much effort something takes is correct. So I feel yeah, like exactly. there's similar overlap in, you know, there's, there are some projects you'll be on where there's hesitancy to do user testing because you feel like you don't have time to spend on that. So like, how would you approach in a, in a situation where someone says, we don't have time to estimate, just get started. Yeah. That's uh, I don't know. You, you're going to get what you, you're going to get when the time's up. <laughs> you know, I like guess that, that's why I mean, if, if things are that tight, then yeah, you just, well, let's start working and maybe still try to check in regularly and understand that, you know, at what point, I guess like kind of backing up to the point of uh, when we're using an estimate to help, you know, see the cost of a project. It also is a forcing on what are the priorities. So you said you want this laundry list of features, but until you really see what it'll take to get those features, you know, up, up front, it's like everything is the same priority. We need everything. We need it by this date. Well, okay, that's not possible. Our estimate informed us it's gonna blow through a month past that date. Right. Oh, okay. Well, well, here we've broken things that we estimate things up into nice modules, a menu, if you will, of things. Now we prioritize that list. What are things that are maybe not a dependency to others or can be pulled in or pushed out? And then that really just like so the, the estimate in that case really informs like the the, the client's priority. Yeah, I think if uh, estimation wasn't possible, you'd really have to communicate um, every step of the way with the client so that they, they're aware of your progress um, since they don't have that contract to go by with um, what and, hours you propose. And that's more overhead added to, yeah. your, to your time that might not have been captured in an estimate. <laughs> One misconception is that estimates need to happen at the beginning, right? Uh, and then you just go on and start working on it. But that's really not the case. Uh, you know, you might have some estimates up front, but throughout the process, you should really be estimating at, you know, finer grained levels uh, throughout um, to, you know, sort of rebase how your, what, what your estimates are 
and how long and what new discoveries you've had and things like that. So it's a continual process, not just a one-time thing. Yeah, those upfront estimates always be the worst because you had the least information about the project. Uh, so they're, you know, they should they should be the least trusted, the most expected to change. Yeah, it's like no one ever estimates something perfectly correctly. Like it, that's the point of it being an estimate. You're not saying this will take two weeks and that's exactly how much time I have and then it'll be done. You're, it's an estimate. You're, it's, in some ways, it's a best guess. And even a, best, a wrong best guess is better than nothing. Right. If you can uh, set some expectation, I think, uh, even if uh, you can maybe uh, overestimate, I think that anything helps. Well, and like Kareem, you were saying, just like people tend to assume that estimation happens at the beginning, there's also like different kinds of estimation that can happen throughout the process, right? Right. So like early on, you might be estimating the whole thing at a certain level. Um, maybe it's even before the project or to get the, the bid uh, in the first place. Right. And then throughout, maybe you're estimating in smaller chunks. So, hey, for this next two or three week sprint, you know, let's really figure out how many things we can fit in. So we need to estimate those specific parts of it at a much, you know, deeper level. Um, just to set expectations of, oh, what do you expect at the end of this sprint? What can we demo to the clients uh, after this? And constant demos are always uh, helpful as well because they help the, the client gauge where we're at. And sometimes they may want to pivot, sometimes they may not. Uh, and so just being able to set expectations using the demos and the estimates uh, as sort of tools to help guide you in that direction. Yeah, sometimes there's a lot of uh, unknowns too. And even when you've asked all the questions you can, you can and, and try to gather all the requirements you can, there's still things that pop up. And so sometimes I like to give a range when there's a lot of, uh, when there's a lack of clarity. Um, and then uh, set the expectation that there might be some uh, more time spent in certain areas once we get to those points. Right. And it's like wireframes and designs and anything else, you know, early on it's lower fidelity. Then as you get more into it uh, and you find out more information uh, and things start to become a little more clear, uh, then you, you know, go move over to higher fidelity estimates and wireframes and uh, other yeah, I think, I think it's important also when we're talking about estimation to dig into some of the misconceptions about it. Like I think one of the biggest misconceptions we kind of hinted on earlier is that like, oh, it needs to be perfect, like not an estimation, like a fact. And I think one of the other like misunderstandings people can have is that um, it's all on me and like I have the final word in my estimation, whereas like a good manager knows how to work with the estimates given from their team and create margin there. It's not like, oh, I gave my, I said this would probably take two weeks and now it's taking longer. Oh no, we're sunk. You know, a good manager knows how to work with that and build in those, that margin so that as things inevitably come up, you can, you can shift and, and refocus. Yeah. I think it's, it's kind of like to the point earlier about um, everyone had, you know, different levels of way of, of padding. And, and I think it actually kind of makes me think of another point is as you get to know your team, different people's estimates may need a different factor of, mm. of adjustment. Like, oh, cream says it's going to take two days. That's always two weeks. You know, <laughs> that's right. says one week. It's probably Sorry, cream. 
but like um <laughs> it's true you know, but it, and but really actually like june more if you're looking the more junior you are the worse your, your estimates are probably going to be and hopefully as you're more senior um you've seen a lot more and 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 so you'll have more accurate estimates um so that is depends on who's who is coming up with the estimate but i don't i i think like and maybe this is for kind of getting into ways to help um, improve estimates. I, I've always found the best estimates are always when I'm, it's never just me. If I'm the only one providing an estimate, that's going to be terrible. Like the best are when you have a diverse set of opinions, you know, maybe two or three people with different roles, different areas of expertise, um, maybe working directly with a project manager, they will ask completely different questions and they will kind of have that view of like, well, I know that usually in past projects that usually took longer. Are you sure that it's, it's a 16 hour thing? Like, hey, you know what? No, we should bump that up. So like, it's this constant, like given, uh, give and take. And um, I, I've really been a fan of planning poker when, especially for like sprint planning or backlog grooming, have a group of people, you know, maybe the QA, the dev manager, front end, back end, Dev and everyone looks at looks at a story, and then you all at the same time throw out, you know, your it might maybe story points, hours, days, whatever, but like on a Fibonacci sequence. So, so that as things are higher, um, they are also like more likely to take longer because they're less understood. But that's always interesting because everyone will, the things that everyone's pretty keyed into they come in with about the right same rating of time but then the ones that have huge discrepancies always generate a good discussion and then it's when you figure out things like oh i didn't i totally didn't see that point mm -hmm. so yeah let's call that out or no you're really overthinking this one let's rein you in um but it's just like you got to have more than one opinion because everyone's going to look at the same problem differently yeah, that's an important point uh more than one person and preferably you know in different expertise too because if you have front-end people they may not understand the complexities of the back-end stuff they're estimating and vice versa. Right? right. Or even if you're front-end, uh, a React person may not understand all that's needed to estimate an Angular project or an Oracle person might not understand uh, a graph database as well, like all the stuff that needs to happen in Cassandra or Janus Graph and things like that, right? Mm -hmm. So having the uh, diverse set of expertise doing the estimation, make sure you have your basis covered uh, to where, you know, people are understanding the problem correctly. And people that are, uh, feel safe expressing their opinion too, because I could see a, a mistake of the one senior, a senior person, some junior developers estimating, oh, well, they'll keep saying it's this, I'll just, he must be right. Like, no, I'm wrong very often. And so like, it definitely people, that group would be a collection of, of peers who were, you know, open and honest. Because that's the only way you're going to get a good estimate. And non-judgmental. Right. Yeah. Because if you say something and uh, all of a sudden the group reacts, you're more likely to start with the group think on your next estimates instead of your honest opinions. Yeah. I've, I've seen a lot of uh, shyness when it comes to younger developers or newer developers uh, estimating, especially when the project owner is looking over them. They feel like they have to maybe, you know, fit within the confines of whatever their project owner expects. Um, but really, it's it's about being honest with uh, how long you think it'll take. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Lots of times there is uh, an 
case where the project manager says it has to fit here or you give them some estimates and they're like, no, 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 that's not going to work. Lessen these. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. but that's the honest opinion. But now you're having to cram, uh, you know, instead of just cutting out your mindlessly just going in and cutting the estimates in half, which, you know, is not going to lead to a good result. Right. Yeah. If, if you're cutting the estimate, you should also be cutting the scope of work in, in that mm -hmm. situation. Mm -hmm. And I know like, you know, the first time I was asked to estimate something, I felt that like I felt guilty for saying, oh, I think it'll take me an hour for each of these steps. You know, and, and like looking back, I was way, like way off with, with my estimate. And it took about twice as long as I initially thought. And then, you know, I initially said, thought this much and then said, oh, well, that's probably too much and I'll cut it back. So it ended up being like four times more effort than I initially estimated just because I was afraid that the number was too big and I'd get in trouble or, or people would be like, that's ridiculous. And really mm -hmm. it's like, no, I, I feel like at least for me, a helpful rule of thumb is, all right, what's my first like gut reaction? And then I should probably double that because mm -hmm. there's going to be hidden stuff that I don't think about. And, and that always comes up. And you bring up a good point uh, of phenomenon of just psychologically, people always underestimate their own work and overestimate other people's work. And, mm -hmm. I, and that's another reason that planning poker, just the group estimation works better because you you're now estimating other people's work, when it, especially if it's a task that's not your own. Um, and so that's where it kind of helps break that um, because, right, like, yeah, exactly like you said, for many reasons, we all want to seem like uh, like yeah if i say a number that's too high then that the, i'm going to get perceived as being like inefficient or incompetent right right exposes the imposter imposter i am as you know calling back to past podcasts so um but that's where i think over time you hopefully get over that you develop techniques just like you said like go with that first hunch and then double it kind of have your own internal factor um i think yeah that definitely just comes with experience and pattern matching of okay well in the past i did a similar screen how long did that take well yeah that mm -hmm. took two weeks so and it, and it can be so, a conversation too right like it's it's not something that you have to do by yourself over in the corner like if you're junior and you think it's going to take this long you can go to someone who's maybe a little bit farther along and say hey this is what i think does that sound right and they may say um, yeah, for someone at your skill level, that sounds right. As you grow and, and get mm -hmm. better at, at your craft, it'll probably go down, but, or they may say, no, 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 you, you forgot about this whole element. And like, it's okay to have a conversation around it. It's not like the first thing that comes to your head or the first thing you say is automatically what you have to commit to. It's a bit of an iterative back and forth process. And, you know, that's just part of it. Right. And then no matter what you land on, you still double it because that's <laughs> just reality. Right. I mean, it, accounting for that self-optimism is uh, an actual thing and mm -hmm. that's something you learn as you gain more experience like it might seem a little weird but it actually in reality if you look at the empirical evidence that is uh, that usually happens that way where the rule of thumb is you take your honest estimates that you think are right and you multiply by two or three which may sound a lot but just given all the other overhead and things that are happening it usually ends up being that way. That's why my two-day estimates turn into two weeks. I mean, to, to give you uh, an example, right? So uh, whenever I go do some voluntary work, at, you know, construction or car carpentry, you know, I'll tell my wife, oh, I'll be back in, you know, an hour and a half. Because in my head, it's so clear. It's straightforward. I need to go do this, 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 and this, right? It's, yeah, it can only take an hour and a half max. Uh, and she's like, 
okay, I will uh, see you at midnight. I'm like, no way. <laughs> and then lo and behold, you know, I'm strolling home after midnight. And it did indeed take five hours, not one and a half, right? Just because in our head, it's so clear. And so we think, hey, it can't be that difficult. It's simple. But when you actually, you know, put your head down and start doing the things, time just adds up very quickly. Right. Sometimes it's good to get an opinion from somebody else to ask uh, others um, who are experts in the subject to sort of help demystify certain concepts for me um, if I ever get like really stuck. And that's always been very helpful. One of the things as you're doing the estimates is not to keep anything in your head, right? Write it all down. So always, always write your assumptions down as you're doing these things, right? I put this estimate on here, assuming so-and-so is going to happen or assuming someone's doing this or assuming that this will be ready in time when we get to this, right? So always write down your assumptions. That way, someone looking at it is not left in confusion on why is it going to take this long? Oh, because of this, these assumptions. Yeah, that's like a good, also important when we are, you know, negotiating contracts for work and things, you know, things don't always go perfect. You can look back at like, what were the assumptions we made? Okay, well, this, this didn't hold up, you know, because of X, Y, Z. So that affected, this had, had this cascade effect on everything else. Um, so it's kind of, it goes two ways. It's also protection for the estimator. It's also sometimes if you feel bad about like, well, I got to come up with this estimate, but I really don't know. Okay, I'm just going to say I this, you know, I made this assumption and it's just sort of like, um, it's kind of almost like a relief. Like, well, I can, I, I'm guilt-free because I wrote down an assumption, but it also just helps you move forward with the estimation because you can get stuck. You can get totally hung up on the things that you don't know and then not want to estimate at all. Like, I, I just don't want to put my name to this because I just don't know any of these facts. Like, okay. That that also isn't helpful, you know. I think you, we still need an answer for whatever it is that we're trying to do here. So, um, yeah, you know, it's assumptions and estimates. I think should go hand in hand. So let's talk a little bit about some of the the methods or the approaches you can take when you are estimating. Because, I mean, obviously, there's not one right way. You always have to do this. We talked a little bit about like what's your first thought and double that. But like, there are obviously more. Um, there's more nuance to it and there's more, there's more ideas or methods or, or things you can do when you're estimating. So I, I know one of the ones that I've tried to implement more and more is like, okay, well, here's the, here's the worst case scenario. Here's best case scenario. And here's kind of where we're, we're, we're most likely to wind up. So you have a little bit of a range and that can kind of give you a little bit of that wiggle room to say, yeah, here, here's what I think, but there's, there's possibility for it to go here or there. Yeah, I really like that one, like going line by line and having a low, medium, high or like, you know, worst case, best case, um, expected case, I think is what we called it before. I think that's pretty effective. It also helps you key in on the things, the things that have a very wide range, then it's okay. Maybe we need to look closer at those. The things that kind of come in pretty okay, you know, the low and the high aren't deviating too much and then, well, okay, maybe we can we're confident on those, but the ones that have a like worst, you know, worst case just goes off the rails. Well, let's like dig into that. Maybe we need to break that one down more or, you know, maybe that's an assumption we need to document. Um, I think, cause yeah, it, it also just helps allow you to be honest, I think. Cause I think if you're just asked for one number, you're going to tend to want to give best case. If you ask me explicitly for worst case, then I'm probably more likely to just be like, well, well, yeah, I guess, this could, this could crap out. I'll take a whole month, you know? So, 
but it's good to see that. Um, I always like to add as much as I can to the estimate um, as it relates to the task. And so anything like if there's any time to get uh, to take care of any bugs or testing of the tasks, I always add some time for code review um, and then handling any comments in the code review. And then if there's going to be any demos on the tasks that I'm working on, I'll add that in as well, or meetings that are required to further explain certain things in the task. And you, you mentioned code reviews. And one other thing to mention there is you should account for time, not only for the actions you need to take on your code reviews based on feedback, but some time set aside for reviewing others' code as well, right? Because mm. they're going to be asking you to review their code. So all these things that sort of add up, you know, testing, demos, daily standups, uh, working with the designer back and forth sometimes to figure out like the details of how this is going to behave or the, the micro interactions, things like that. Uh, all those things are not time that you're actually specifically coding, but are still needed. And so need to be factored in at some point or another in the estimates. Right. Yeah, you sort of get into the habit of picking those things up and and knowing which which tasks require those uh, sort of background underlying tasks. And then you, over time, you just sort of get used to it. And, and there are different approaches that people take, right? Uh, we uh, really like the, the low, medium, high effort. It, it's, it's simple enough. It works well for us. Other people have like, you know, more complex methodologies. And there's Six Sigma. Um, there's other ones that help you break it down more and really go into higher fidelity at a deeper level. Uh, for our cases, usually we don't feel the need to do that because it's not necessary, but it varies by industry and project as well. Mm -hmm. um, so use the best tool that's right for you, uh, but no need to go in the deep end if you don't need to, because the truth is estimates are hard and estimates are likely wrong, right? But they will help get you in sort of the ballpark area. And you can keep refining that ballpark uh, as you learn more. And so use the tool that's right for you. But in, in our experience, just some simple approaches that help gauge the rough level of effort for the task and help highlight the places where you're uncertain, uh, though that really helps. Yeah, um, different companies and different teams use different types of estimation. So like, you might hear like t-shirt size estimating mm -hmm. or uh, just hours. Um, we, we, I think we've talked mostly about like hour estimating, like how long it would take. Um, but um, some teams also use Fibonacci uh, numbers to do estimation. So there's a lot of different techniques. Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's worth noting that there are so many different techniques, but the, the real value isn't like the specific technique. It's just the practice of it. Estimation is important because it's that first step. It's part of the planning process. And, you know, you, you can spend a lot of time focusing on, on which, which method is the best, but as long as you're putting in the effort and you're having those conversations, like you're doing something right. And I think, you know, just kind of one thing to, to hit on before we wrap up is that, you know, we talked a lot about how it's easy to kind of get scared away from estimations because you feel like you're committing to something that's really vague and unknown and like, it's okay to recognize that it takes practice. Like no one is good at estimating, especially at the beginning. You know, I know, I know several people on this call have, have been doing estimations for a long time and are still uncomfortable with it. Like that's just part of what it is. And 
it's okay to, to recognize it's something that you're not great at and it's something you need to grow at or it's something you need to pull other people in to ask for help or ask for thoughts on, hey, is this, is this sound right or is this way off? So it, it's okay to kind of recognize that and to treat it as something to, to constantly be growing in and with the awareness that your estimate's probably wrong and that's okay. Yeah, it, it is. It's definitely something. And I think a lot of developers feel this because we tend to be, you know, we tend to deal more in absolutes or, you know, analytical. I like to give you facts and truths and estimates have this feeling of almost like I'm lying or misleading because I cannot <laughs> say with 100% certainty this will, you know, happen the way. And I, and like you said, it, you got to accept that that's not what the point is. It's not. I am not telling you, I'm not, I'm not giving you, uh, I'm not looking at a crystal ball and telling you, yeah, we'll be done in three weeks. I'm just giving you my best guess so we can work with it. Um, but yeah, it's always something I continue to be uncomfortable with. I think I've gotten better at it as I've seen more projects and I've had, like you said, more practice. So there's just more, there's more past like patterns to match against, you know, it becomes a little bit more like, less of really having to go through the details and, and just kind of comparing, well, this screen is a lot like this thing we built over here. And yeah, that took about this much time. Um, and you just build that up over time, but it's a, it's like a necessary evil. And it helps if you foster that culture of that openness and, uh, you know, psychological safety where you are free to speak uh, honestly about the estimates and, you know, say, talk about things that you don't know, admitting, you know, that, hey, I'm not the best person to estimate this part of it. No need to feel like an imposter. You're just admitting, hey, I have room to grow here. But uh, just helping foster that environment where people can be honest uh, about what they really think will lead to better estimates and thus uh, better expectation management and happier clients at the end of it. If, if your estimates are always wrong anyway, an arrogant estimator is far worse than a open-handed estimator. <laughs> Agreed. Um, Phil, I really liked what you said, that uh, estimations in a lot of ways, they're, they're a necessary evil, but they're, they're a helpful tool. They're a helpful first step in uh, that kind of project management process. And it's, it's a helpful way for the whole team to kind of get on the same page and get an idea. You know, what are, we, what are we aiming for? Are we way out of scope? Is there anything we need to trim back? Do we actually have room to work with here? And uh, you know, learning how to work within that team context and recognizing that there is a, a, a strength that comes to a project when you get a bunch of people in a room together and talk about, hey, what's it actually going to take to pull this off? And kind of just recognizing that uh, you know, it, it's for your benefit. It's something that it's not saying it's something you're you're hardcore committing to. You have to do in the moment. Uh, you have to exactly meet that estimation you're making. Uh, your estimation's probably wrong, and and your manager probably knows that and knows how to how to work with with the numbers there to create the margin that you're going to need for, the, for your project to be a success. So it's not something you have to be afraid of or run from. Uh, it's not always the easiest thing in the world, but uh, it is doable. And there are ways you can continue to learn and to grow and to become better at estimating. Um, and that's what we're all doing. We're all always improving. And uh, it's okay to, to raise your hand, to ask for help, to ask if your estimations are, are right or wrong. And uh, at the end of the day, estimation isn't going to make or break the project but it is an important part of helping make sure your team is set up for success and able to have the kinds of conversations they need to make their project a success. Thanks for connecting with us today. If you have a complex software problem that needs solving, thoughts on what we discussed today, 
or ideas on what topics we should tackle next, feel free to reach out to us at podcast at experioinc.com or on Twitter at experioinc. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for joining us and we look forward to connecting with you next time. Of course, we're wrong because it took yeah, a little bit. Yeah, of course, it's going to, yeah, my, my timer says 40 minutes. <laughs> that, would be, that would be a good end, though, to be end, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the hook. By the way, we said we estimate it'll take 30 minutes, but it took uh, 51. So. Yeah. Stick with us till the end to find out if you're right. Don't look <laughs> so at we, the time Yeah, we weren't wrong about doubling the estimates, 30 yeah. to 51. Yeah, ten, 10 best lessons about estimation. The actual time it takes to estimate will shock you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Cool. All right. All right. All right. Thanks, y'all. Coffee. See you guys. Have a good one.